Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International, episode 224. I'm your host, Jurosin, Sen, and this is Ben Kimber. Hello, mate. How are you? Very good. Great to see you. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon and in the wake of the Mark Ellis Show. So many comments to go to about this uh, program this week. But uh, have a look here. Thanks to Strike, our magnificent Australian company, you know, supporting rugby and supporting us. These are the phone cradles and an iPad cradle to put in your car. You stay safe by being legal. And of course, uh, there's a little aerial connectivity as well to boost your signal. So Ben, get them in your car and stay Absolutely. safe. Absolutely. Right, thank you very much to Strike. And uh, Ben, let's get straight to the Strike issue of the week. What is it for you, mate? Well, we've had an awesome amount of comments. Fantastic. Awesome. A lot of new viewers have turned up and got involved. Uh, and the, the thing that I want to talk about, the issue that I want to talk about today, uh, and it came through in the conversation with the great Mark Eller last week. Mm -hmm. It came through in a lot of comments. It's this conversation around the style of play. It's around the, the way the, the, that we've seen teams out there. And we talked about it a little bit with Mark yes. about teams, you know, should they be playing the same way that New Zealand are playing? Mm -hmm. And the issue is, I think we've got to talk about how teams have to earn the right to play that way. Correct, correct. All right. So um, I'm with you with that because Argentina, they've shown a lot of endeavour in the way they want to play and look like the All Blacks, but they haven't got the skill set yet. And I noticed a lot of comments being along this vein saying, that's great, they're having a go, give them some time to develop their play. But I actually think you can't play like that in a test match arena and expect to improve because you need to get that skill base first. I don't believe you can just keep playing like that, playing like that in a test match arena, lose test matches for four or five years and still want to be competitive on the world stage. I think you've got to do the hard work off the paddock or on the paddock before you get to the arena. I don't know if I agree, mate. There is no comparison to actually playing a game of test match footy, right? True, there but, is it's, no... but it's 40 minutes each way, Ben. It How is... are you going to develop that over a five-year period? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yes, all right. <laughs> this is what I wanted That's to talk about. That's why it's the issue of the week. <laughs> but this is what I wanted to talk about in that, um, and a lot of good commentary on our site, um, on YouTube and on Facebook both, um, talking about the way the All Blacks are playing, actually had its genesis around five or six years ago. Yep. They started to try to bring in this high-energy game, this more f this flatter game, uh, about five or six years ago, unsuccessfully, and struggled with it for a little while, but invested the time in the processes and in, in the teams underneath to make sure that they could actually try and bring it together. Now, we had the chat with Mark, and I thought he had some really insightful comments from Mark Eller last week, and one of which was, you know, he's renowned and remembered as one of the great running fly-halves of all time, and we've had viewers on on our, um, our comments saying, you know, he actually influenced the All Blacks back in the day, you know, bringing in the way that the Aller brothers brought, the, you know, the style yeah. of play to the Wallabies. Uh, but one of the, a couple of things Mark really said that, 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 that really pinged for me were uh, when he said, you know, firstly, a 5H job is to bring the defence to them, you know, make themselves a target. Right? Really good point. Excellent point. And the other thing he said was when he was in charge of the game, you've got to know when to play the right game, right? When to switch it on and when to switch it off. So he was saying, you know, you might be a time where, yes, you want to run the ball and you want to play that up-tempo game, but he said, you know, it might not be the way. It might not be the way the game's shaping up, the way the opposition's bringing it to you. You're going to have to be smart and you might have to switch it up and just push your forwards back down the channel all day trying to keep it there. So I think, and the conversation we had particularly around Argentina, who in the first championship game against the All Blacks had about 50 minutes where they really took them on and did well. But then we saw again when they played the Wallabies last, 
that they try to keep that game going too much and too long and they haven't got the skill set to well, do we'll it. even go back to the first meeting with the Wallabies in Perth. Yep. I thought that game was incredibly frustrating because they had an amazing amount of possession and still couldn't crack the Wallabies. Yeah, very true. And so we get back to the point of, and it's the simple stuff about rugby, the basic stuff about rugby, it's you've got to earn the right to play the game you want to play. And it happens in the forwards and it's got to be a nice solid forward platform that lets you start to think about something differently. It also plays into the conversation I think we had around South African rugby, right. where we've been saying they've got to go backwards a bit to go forwards. And we're not saying throw it all out the window, but get back to a point where you can at least control your game where you're not under the pump, as South Africa were, and they got blown away by the All Blacks because there was not a single facet of the game where they were competing in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't got your safe havens, if you aren't at that level, if you haven't got the game under control that you want to play, what are those safe havens that you can actually build into your game? And I think it's about how much of it you bring into your game over time. I don't think you can go into the training paddock and learn to play a different way and then switch it on beautifully in Test Rugby. I think it's got to be you introduce things into your game slowly and you introduce them and it builds and it builds. And what we're seeing now is an All Blacks team that has made those changes over a few years to bring that high tempo game, whereas we're seeing a, a Wallabies and a, and a South African team and to a lesser extent Argentina who don't have the right mix in the way they approach a Test match. There's a big issue with that point though, Ben, and that is the fact that the All Blacks, even when they introduced it, when they're struggling, they're still winning, you know, 80% of their games So and winning titles. So it's a, it's a bit different when they tweak uh, around the edges with their, their rugby because of their history in the game. But they have to do the work off the paddock, and that's when it becomes second nature. And it's because of that competitive nature of good players all the way down to 50, you know. They can play and be so competitive at training. And, and the guys talked about it after the game, after the victory in Durban, where they sealed off the, the, the rugby championship, the big point by Kieran Reid was the pressure on them from the players within the immediate squad and outside the squad. That's the difference with New Zealand. With the other countries, they have a very narrow base of really good players, so they have to be smarter about the way they play. And that's when the Wallabies were great. Mark Eller made a lot of sense last week, but when you think about it, it was all the logical stuff that Australia's moved away from. Australia has tried to play like the All Blacks with the depth of the All Blacks and they can't do it and neither can the rest of the world. The only other country with so many players to choose from is England, you know. And France have really stuffed themselves up with all the foreign players they have in their competition. So I think the depth of New Zealand rugby allows it but it's depth that has been created through that competitive nature of high quality all the way back down to the juniors, contests at training, physicality, all that stuff, and then allows them to tweak around the edges. So I think it's, it's, it is commendable what Argentina is doing, but they really have to be careful about trying to just play like the All Blacks, test after test, without putting the work back in down at the start of the uh, whole process, which is from the 15-year-olds onward or even younger. Yeah, and I think if we qualify that and we say, you know, off the paddock, if by off the paddock we mean from schoolboy, you know, yeah. rugby all the way through, how, how teams come together, how, how skills are taught and how things start to, you know, coalesce into a, a, a way of playing football. Correct. That's a different story. Yeah. Um, and I think we've, we've definitely had that conversation rolling around the skill sets missing at uh, the Australian, in Australian rugby. And I'll tell you what's been really interesting the last week. The last week we've seen, uh, in particular, a lot of stories around South African rugby and the struggles they're having. I think we saw Joel Stransky and Schultberg both come out. Yeah. And 
they're echoing the conversations we're hearing in Australian rugby, which is quite concerning. Talking to Joel Stransky in particular was talking about grassroots rugby and the skill set not mm. coming through. Schalk Berger talked more about um, the contracting and the structure and the way there's 300 South African players playing in Europe. Um, and the younger guys and the, the guys who are coming through, who used to be the apprentices next to the, guy, the, the, the more senior players, those apprentices are taking the money and heading to Europe now. So you're not getting that the benefit of a, of a collective South African rugby knowledge, as was my interpretation of his comments, mm. which I think is, is really interesting and really worrying. But I think to the point that you and I were making around why we feel like the road back might be a bit better for South Africa, if they find a way to structure around this new dynamic, this new economic dynamic they're facing, they do have the people and, the, and they do have the, the, the players to try to build something a little bit different. I absolutely think they have the players, Ben. Even if they lose a few players to Europe, South Africa still has enormous depth. And it is that, uh, that synergy, that working together of the unions that's important. And I think um, they are making some strong points, though. And one of them is, you know, if the Stormers are really powerful in midfield, right, and that's how the test team goes, well, what about when those players are unavailable? As a test team, it has to change a bit, doesn't it? Because you're basing it on those players that are available week in, week out. So there is, a, there is. A, so that's a Stormers style of play, as opposed to what the Lions will do now and what the Durban, uh, the Sharks team do as well. And, th and that's similar in, in some ways to the conversation we've had about the Wallabies around: is Checker picking his best players and then playing the game that has the best players in the park yeah. because he doesn't have the players he might prefer a style in the team. You know, we've talked about number eight. Pocock and McMahon might be back in the mix this week, mm. um, but playing Pocock and eight might have been more about getting guys on the park that are at international level, more so than thinking, I'd love to play two fetches, you know, uh, and you can get pushed around by your, your, the talent you have as opposed to uh, the team you prefer to select. Well, he wants to play the open style, the entertaining style. He's been absolutely on the record about that, and that's what he pushed through the Waratahs as well. But test rugby, sometimes it is an arm wrestle, and one of the greatest open playing players of all time said on this show last week, as you said, Ben, that sometimes you've got to change it up. And you do. You have to assess it because you cannot play for 80 minutes like that. The All Blacks don't even play like that, don't they? They can feel the opposition out and then bang, in 10 minutes they'll explode and score 30 points. But there are other periods where they do the hard yards. Mm. Now, you mentioned Checker wanted to play that open yeah. style and he did it at the Waratahs. But even at the Waratahs, right, he had Wycliffe Palo. Yeah. He still had his big number eight. There's a style you play, and then there's people you use to play that style and the way you work around with them. Now, we've had a few questions about um, the upcoming Bledisloe game. Yes. Um, really looking forward to it. Um, really, you know, not as Mark was, not in any sort of mental place that we think the Wallabies are going to win it. Would love to be sitting here in a week's time and discussing one of the great all-time uh, victories for the Wallabies. Um, but I think there's been a lot of questions around how do you beat this All Blacks team. And I think, uh, you know, if we had those answers, we'd be earning a lot more money than we are now. Uh, but... But I think the, the thing that, that, that I want to talk about in regards to that yeah. is, is people are, one of the things that's coming up a lot is fitness. And, you know, like, I'm not convinced that it's fitness. You know, I really do believe that it's, it's a part. It's a part of it, but you know, I, I don't think they're vastly fitter. You've got great guys coming off the bench, which means you've got a really awesome 80 minutes from the All Blacks. And that's, we've talked about the strength of the bench being a big part. But I think, I think it's really the, you know, the mental aspect to this that I'm, I'm more concerned about. Because what we've seen with South Africa and what we've seen with the Wallabies is even the things within their control aren't going well, right? right yeah. And if you were gonna beat this All Blacks team, 
the first thing you've got to do is control the controllables, if I can put it that way, right? The things that you can actually do yourself, that you can manage yourself. And there's been too much of that going wrong. And this is the major reason I think that well, there's no way in the world the Wallabies are going to win next week. Again, love to be wrong. But even against um, South Africa, against Argentina, they were just, their heads weren't right. They would drift. We'd see, um, you know, uh, little, little drop kicks uh, regathered from the 22 restarts by Argentina or the charge downs or, or, or just not their eye on the ball in the right way for the full 80 minutes. They didn't seem like a side, the Wallabies, that have that mental focus. And if you are going to be competitive in any way, shape or form, it's got to be getting your own game right first. And that's what we saw for Argentina's 50 minutes of great rugby when they took on the All Blacks. Now, they cracked eventually, but at least the things that they could do themselves, they hammered away at and got right, right? And we aren't seeing enough of that from either the Wallabies or the Springboks. We talked about the Springboks chase yeah. uh, of the kick in the, team, in, the, in the game last week where they got smashed. And now if that's not in your control, nothing else is, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's attitude as well, uh, defence and chasing. We know a kick is nothing without the chase. Absolutely nothing, unless you're buried in the grandstand, of course, uh, if you're doing that tactically. But um, it is one of the things about, uh, and, and, and yes, Argentina are doing a good job, but I think we need to make sure that we don't get carried away with Argentina because I think what we're looking at here is uh, a bit of um, a problem for the world game, the chasing of the All Blacks and trying to play that way. And I think... Uh, teams need to be smarter about how they play segments of the game. And that's what you've got to break it down to. Okay, let's start Let's start this way in the game. But let's analyse what the opposition's doing. A lot of these things were messages from Mark's talk last week. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch the show, if you're a coach, maybe a coach of an international team, <laughs> jump in there and have a look. Because well, Mark, of course for Mark to be the coach of the Wallabies. Well, yeah, that. well, Mark makes a lot of sense. So I think teams are going to break down segments of, of the uh, the match, and the Springboks probably could do it. But the fact that they had no idea what to do, as a few of the comments were in the uh, on our uh, post last week, um, were about how the, ter- the Springboks had no idea what to do about getting out of their own half. Mm. And if you, you're kicking and not chasing... That's a huge issue. Why aren't they chasing? Is that is it because they're not they're disinterested? How could you be disinterested in a test match like that? Or don't you believe in the game plan? What is the game plan? All these questions that need to be answered about a, a once proud rugby team like the Springboks, who I want to see in that traditional clash perform very well. And I've always been on record on this show saying I believe they can do it because they have the talent. There's no doubt about it. What if they were absolutely focused, chased that ball, uh, defended with their, you know, while their bodies were on the line uh, against the All Blacks? I think that would have been a totally different story. Look, I think they could have put themselves in a much better position than getting walloped. But uh, I, I, don't, I think there's a long way to go to get up the All Black standard. But we want to see those. No, but I reckon games. they could have if, if they decided that they defended what their lives counted on it. That they would have, they could have easily done anything against the All Blacks because the All Blacks still had to, to, to make the, the make the play. But uh, if you spill the ball, they're going to pounce as well. So uh, you know, so many things that uh, that are about the mental attitude, as you talked about, and Australia going back to the game at Loftus, where they got so close, didn't focus when it really mattered. You know, close to the line when they were poised to score. What is the problem there? Why aren't they focusing? Is it leadership to start with? Yeah, and that's we've a few show back shows back. We talked about how worrying it is where we see Checker as a coach who who is one of his complete strengths is is getting a team feeling like a team and feeling like they're mm. going to go in the into the trenches together and that not happening. Hard when you make all those changes. It is. It is. 
a uh, couple of extra points on that on that on that mental approach. Um, I've seen some negative comments around the likes of Samu Karevi, who came out and said we can beat the All Blacks, um, and people thought that was just disrespectful. I don't think that at all. I think it would be disrespectful for a Wallabies team who didn't go into every game thinking we're going to compete and we're going to win. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, there was some there was a bit of a hullabaloo a few weeks back when Clyde Rathbone wrote a piece, um, and he essentially was saying. Uh, he, he contested the interpretation of it, but it, it essentially read it, it read such that it, he was saying um, uh, the Wallabies will go better if they admit that they're not going to win. And he he that's the way I read it. That's the way the Sydney Morning Herald interpreted it, and he contested that. But my belief is, if you're putting together a team of of men who are going to go out there and play international rugby, you enter every game believing that you can win it. Um, and that's the kind of uh, you know uh, belief that you want to see installed in a team that we know that Eddie Jones has done, that Checker has been famous for, but is missing at the moment. Um, we're going to talk about viewer comments uh, in a minute, but there's a couple of guys who talked about this. I just want to uh, mention now, uh, but uh, Rudy, Rudy Timotei talked about the, the mystique of the All Blacks has gone through um, peaks and ebbs. Um, and Brendan Paramore said that you know the mojo really isn't there for the Australians. And that idea of, of mojo for a team, I find really, really fascinating. Uh, a lot of uh, talk also about the haka, how important the haka is to New Zealand rugby, how important it is uh, to, the, to, the, to the Kiwi people, um, and, and how it, it, it means a lot. The rugby league test was on last night, and I saw some commentary that it wasn't a great haka and it wasn't a great game. Um, that sort of, the All Blacks mystique, you know, around the black jersey and the haka is hugely important to them. And I bring it up because right now they've got the mental wood on these teams. If Australia and the South Africans are not controlling their own controllables, if they're not doing the things they do themselves normally as professional rugby players, I think it's because they've been beaten in their heads before they're on the park, right? And that's the first hurdle to get through. But I distinctly remember from the Rod McQueen era, if you recall, the Wallabies team used to go out in their tracksuits, right? And then they'd face the Harker all together in their tracksuits and then they'd unzip and do a five-minute warm-up, and then they'd go and play. And I, and I remember writing or reading a story at the time saying that, that uh, McQueen had a bit of a ding-dong with the IRB in that to get that in, and it was all about puncturing the All Blacks mentality of co- confrontation through the Harker, and then let's get into them. And, he, he, and McQueen's point was, look, they've had what is very important to them and very important to rugby, the Harker's great, but we also want to get ourselves mentally right, so we just want a couple of minutes to do a few things. And it was very effective in taking the air out of that confrontation of the Harker and then into the game. But is that enough right now to get a psychological advantage if you go out there and, and muck around and do your tracksuit again? There's a difference between not acknowledging the Harker, right, turning your backs. That is outrageous. I, think, I don't think that should happen. But I don't think it's outrageous to say... Why should the other team get the chance to perform that harker and then come straight at us after that? I didn't think it was outrageous to say, maybe a couple of minutes for us just to get our heads right as well. Because I love the harker. I said, my four-year-old son, who doesn't even know what rugby is really, comes and watches the harker, big eyes, and then, then racks off to go and play with his Tonka trucks. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, I think is, you know, as a starting point of getting yourself mentally in the game, you know, giving yourself a minute or two to get yourself right, I don't think that would be un, un, I don't think that would be disrespectful. Yeah, no, the Wallabies should man up to it, as every other team. I mean, it's great to face it. What about France in 2011? You know, that was game on. They were almost inside the Harker. Yeah, that's actually, that's awesome. <laughs> so when they formed that uh, uh, attacking line, and that was, uh, 
you know, I thought that was great. It's a challenge, and then uh, the French met the challenge back in 2011. Very close that game, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I think the Hark is fantastic, and uh, and I really believe that uh, the Wallabies, you know, um, should also soak it up. I always think at Eden Park is so hard to win. I, I equate it to running uphill for the Wallabies. Yeah. There's something about going there, like the All Blacks, they can just cruise along and win every test that's in front of them. But the All Black, the Wallabies will be just like, okay, we've got to climb this mountain just to make nil all. Yeah. And it's it feels like that. It just feels so hard. And, and I've been there with many Waratahs teams as well, and, uh, and it's so difficult to win there. I don't know. I don't know. It's just It feels to me like running uphill. Well, I think if, if Czech is ever going to have a chance to talk about uh, the mental game with his team, yeah. and to get his team feeling like they've got their history at their, you know, at, at, to be theirs to, at their making. This is it, right? I, mean, I think you're going to talk a, a little bit later about the comment of the week. Yeah. Um, Up know, next, yeah, not the game of their life, the game of their centuries, or something along those lines. Um, it, it is, it is a massive, massive hill to climb. Eden Park is an absolute fortress in the truest sense of the word, and this Wallabies team are not playing good footy. No, 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 no. It's not uh, inspiring rugby, which is something I want to talk about in future shows. We've got so much to talk about. Ben, it's not enough. Half an hour each week. Um, All right, let's go to the strike viewer comments of the week. And we've got so many of them. This one was a pretty recent one. And thanks to everyone who who, um, rushed through to get some extra ones through yesterday as well. And this comes from Martin Phillips. And through the uh, Kahoo group, uh, on, uh, yeah. we've got to give Kahoo, it a shout. Kahoo, the Kiwi World Rugby yeah. and Sport. Um, fantastic group, and we're honoured to be on there as well because it's a closed group. So Martin Phillips said, uh, I won't go through every single point here, Ben, but he makes some pretty good ones about the Wallabies. They will not have to play the game of their lives. They will have to play the game of the century to beat the All Blacks uh, this week. And the other thing that they include in that, you know, through Martin's uh, post, is uh, is a couple of things they need to combat. And that's fitness. You talked about it before. The halves combination. Obviously, that's changed without um, Will Genia there. I just think that is an absolute massive blow. We've talked about what a great uh, season he's had this international season. Uh, Israel Folau hasn't worked in any position. Um, actually, I'll go through a more forward pack. You know, how they match the All Blacks, apart from Hooper and Pocock. The coach... Um, now he says, please tell me um, uh, if the, the, he's the person to take on a machine like the All Blacks coaching machine, and that is a good question as well. The subs off the bench, again, very weak, he says. And uh, Quaid, dare you say it, Eden Park uh, could be a massacre. The memories from Eden Park haven't been good for uh, Quade Cooper. So um, there's a lot to talk about that, uh, the current state of Australian rugby and whether it needs a broom put through it. But uh, Martin Phillips, you're going to kick us off with this week's uh, viewer comment of the week. Ben, is he right? Not the game of their lives, but the game of the century. Look, I think it was a really accurate uh, and extensive comment. Uh, you know, the, quite simply, you know, if you're picking an All Blacks uh, Australian combined side right now, it's it's 15 All Blacks. I think the only exception to that, and I might copy a bit of hate from our Kiwi fans from this, is uh, I'd probably pick Genia over TJ Perinara. Uh, Aaron Smith, if he was in, yes, but I think Genia's been uh, exceptional for Australia behind a beaten pack mm. and in, in keeping control of a game, which games which you know have been under pressure. Um, but right now, the, the, the points are right. Checker is getting outcoached. The team is getting outplayed. 
And as I've said, the things within their control aren't even going particularly well. Checker's not a tactical coach, mate. Well, He's it's... an inspirational coach. Yep. I've had this firsthand from players, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you've got a team beneath you that can come up with that deficit you have in yep. tactical arrangements yep. when it comes to uh, planning your attack uh, on the field. And that's, and that's very true. Like we talk about probably tactical coaches. You've got to talk about Eddie Jones. You've got to talk about Ewan McKenzie. You've got to talk about Jake White, guys who have been able to put together plans that play to their strengths. So get themselves set and sorted and then play a game they want to play and impose themselves on a game. And that's what no one's been able to do against this all-black side. No, absolutely. So um, what a great comment to kick us off. And there are a heap more. Ben, do you want to go through a few more viewer comments? Well, I absolutely do. A few shout-outs here. And again, uh, we love them. They make us think. We like to get involved in the conversation and it drives our next show. So keep them coming. Share the post. Tag a friend. Please comment. Uh, a few to shout out to um, Adrian Furman, who was very, very clear that Australian, he believes Australian rugby's got to aim at 2018 or 2019, uh, clear the decks. Uh, Leon Parra and Nick22Bro both were talking about coming to Australia or, or starting to play rugby in Australia, having seen it in New Zealand and seeing a difference in the skill set at that younger level. And the point is, if we've been talking about this for so many years, why? Why, are, yeah. why haven't things changed? I think we've got to get Papworth back on, mate, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think um, it's a fear of physicality, actually. Yeah. Um, Johan Treyer and uh, Ray Morrison. Yeah, Johan, he's an old listener from way back. He is, he yeah. is. Uh, talked about the state of SA rugby, and I think we might do a bit more on them a bit later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great to have more South Africans uh, being part of our family too, so yeah. please spread the word. We had a request to name our South African backlines. We won't do that today, but we will in future. We're still trying to work um, that out. Can uh, Joel Stransky be in there? Joel Stransky <laughs> might be. Um, we had some great support about saying people want to see a competitive Wallabies, as, as do we, right? Um, we want to see a game that is, uh, you know, goes down to the wire. That's what you want to see. Something's decided late. Christina Gush, Tatumu Rolston, uh, Sport Tempest, um, a few other guys. Actually, Sport Tempest reminded me that, you know, don't forget you lost Gitto, you lost Horn, you lost Tamua right at the start. So, you know, we talk about that halves combination. Might be not what Checker wants either. Um, Stephen, Stephen Fulford saw a lot of reasons that the Wallabies would be lifting. Um, and if, 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 not just, if not to win the game, but at least to be in the game to set themselves up for a good tour. Yep. Um, some big shout-outs for some awesome support, uh, just for the show in general. Manoa Boki Manoa, Andrew Langsford, Sam Taulele, uh, Veni Vidiviki, and Sydney Pote was awesome. Now, Matt Rad, one of our viewers, pointed out to us that our previous show with Mark Matt Eller Rad. got quoted <laughs> in the NZ Herald. Um, but they attribute it to a Fox Sports show, which, you know, so we were blowing up on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Matt pointed it out. We sent him a bunch of notes. They fixed the story. Um, and we had awesome support from people like uh, Sydney Pote, who were then on uh, Vici on Sport, which is an NZ uh, Facebook group, correcting everyone that there are actually uh, commentators from Australia out there who aren't uh, just talking about how good the Wallabies should well, not be. not fanboys, anyway. That's right, that's right. Uh, my comment of the week, too, was also uh, from, uh, on YouTube from Boatcat, who we talked about the Australian way with Mark Eller, mm. and uh, he made a great point around, you know, we've talked about the Australian way really has never been about forward dominance, it's been about parity in the forwards. Right, yeah. And he was saying that the Australian way for him was about deceptive Australian backs, those backs that might not look as flashy as you think they are, but they can just instinctively play the game so well. And he made a really interesting point that he and his mates used to say that Conrad Smith was yeah, an Australian-style yeah. back from yeah. from the yesteryear Australian backs. Yeah. And it's very true. Conrad Smith's one of those guys that, you know, when he got picked and when he started to play, you used to think, well, he's just okay. Yeah. But one of those guys who did everything right and was always in the right spot or ghosting through the right hole, never looked flashy, but was just doing it right. 
And I think that was a really good summation. Yeah, no, well, it really was. I, I totally agree with him on, on that uh, point. I also wanted to point out uh, Sean McTaggart. Now, Sean, uh, I posted a shot that I took of Will Guinea from 2013 actually schooling a few All Blacks. Uh, and he um, scored a try underneath the post in front of me because I uh, also take a lot of shots and have got thousands of photos of the Wallabies and Waratahs over the years. And that was a terrific try. Um, the Wallabies got dusted up, though, again, when Coach Hugh McKenzie was in charge too. In 2013 at uh, ANZ Stadium in Sydney, but uh, Sean uh, McTaggart uh, picked up the exact manoeuvre that was uh, a win by uh, Michael Hooper, Hooper off the back of the lineout. He cleaned up some tight, untidy ball, and they played what was in front of them. It was classic yeah. rugby, wasn't it? Yeah. Australian rugby that you'd love to watch. Yeah, and 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 that's it. We're heading into now. What you know? This is the biggest challenge Australian rugby has faced in a long time. This game, mm. start of this rugby championship season, there was some hope that. You know, even though we'd been smacked by England 3-0, that maybe that was an aberration and maybe they'd be fine in that World Cup form from last year. It clearly hasn't been the case. Yeah. A rampant All Blacks, a record at their beckoning that has, you know, the world record for premium rugby uh, for consecutive games. They win it, they get that 18th game. It's at Eden Park. We've lost our best player. Uh, we, the Wallabies lost their best player. This is monumental. Now, uh, for me, and I want to just say... A win, and we're doing a two-hour show next week, right? <laughs> if the Wallabies win, um, but I would have to say that if the Wallabies get within 15 points, I think that's an excellent result because the record is something that they're talking about post-game. The, Wall the, the All Blacks, so we know it's on their mind, absolutely. So they'll be going for it. Can also say, Sean McTaggart, I might see you in San Francisco next week. I'm heading to San Fran tomorrow afternoon uh, for a gig for Yahoo Seven. And I'll be back. I'm going to miss the game. I'll be in the air. I'll be, I'll be watching. All right. I'm going to try and get it somehow <laughs> streaming on Qantas on the way back. All right. Uh, we're just about out of time. Ben Kimber, great to see you. I'll see Sean McTaggart uh, in uh, San Francisco next week. Um, mate, um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I know you had a little bit of an anniversary function yesterday, too. It was a nice weekend. Yeah, that was great. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week to wrap it all up. And there's been some great comments, uh, some really good diatribes, and you know who I'm talking about, Rob. Um, uh, so keep them coming, and please help us out. Uh, we've had over 10,000 views of our Mark Ella show. We're, we're ecstatic. Keep them coming, please. Share it with your friends. Tag a friend who you think would enjoy it, and post a comment. Thank you. The bigger we get, uh, the more influential we become uh, with the rugby fraternity. And that means more guests and you know more information for you guys to uh, honest calling it as we see it, you know. We just play what's in front of us. <laughs> hey, how does that go? Ben Kimber, thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks, mate. All right, thanks very much for joining us on Rugby Matrix International. We'll see you next week after Bledisloe 3. Will it be a miracle for the Wallabies? I don't think so. But, hey, stranger things have happened on the rugby field. Until next week, enjoy your rugby. <laughs>